The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Star Wars 7x7 episode 3137. Today, the first of a two-part conversation with Star Wars author George Mann. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Boyvon and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So here's the deal with George Mann. He is a Sunday Times best-selling novelist and scriptwriter. He's the creator of the Witchwood Supernatural Mystery Series, hopefully I pronounced that right, as well as the popular Newberry and Hobbs and Tales of the Ghost series, two of which are in development as television shows. He's written comics, novels, and audio dramas for properties such as Star Wars, Doctor Who, Sherlock Holmes, Judge Dredd, and Dark Souls. He's currently part of the writer's room on a forthcoming genre television show. As it relates to Star Wars, most recently he is the author of the Battle of Jeddah audiobook original. The audiobook came out on January 3rd and the script book version of it is coming out on February 14th. That's what I got to talk with him about, but we also talked about him joining the whole High Republic storytelling initiative, how he found out about it, what he likes about the initiative, about his tools and tricks of the trade in terms of writing audio dramas and how it differs from writing other kinds and forms of storytelling and also about how to deal with the battle sequences which are a big part of the Battle of Jeddah. There's a lot more to the conversation as well which will be coming in part two on tomorrow's show but for now let's dive in. This is part one of my conversation with George Mann, author of The Battle of Jeddah. George Mann, thank you so much for joining me on Star Wars 7x7. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you very much. It's um, Friday evening, so winding up a long week of writing. <laughs> are you about to head down to the local or...? No, no, um, family stuff tonight. Fam family nights on Friday night, so, um, you know, that, I've got a couple of kids that'll keep me busy. <laughs> oh, wonderful. May I ask, like, how many, how old, all that fun stuff? Two. Um, and they're, 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 they're both older. So my um, eldest is, uh, James, is uh, 19, mm -hmm. um, but currently home from university. Um, ah, wonderful. So going back on Sunday. So we're making the most of the fact he's here and get to play some games and, you know, catch up. Um, and my youngest, Elliot, is 14 as well. So, um, so yeah, so at, at various stages of kind of, addiction to screens and video games <laughs> and, uh, and things but um yeah it's, it's it's good fun having them all here indeed i actually had the same almost exactly the same thing my oldest joe is 20 and also at university and is a junior right now and my younger son is declan he's 15 so same right. age spread and in high school secondary um, yeah. situation right now so yes it's uh we can uh, empathize <laughs> <laughs> definitely so and the screen thing absolutely resonates for sure yes yeah it's that <laughs> thing uh, headphones and screens <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what we try and do on a weekend is you know spend a bit of time as a family so it's that's it's nice oh definitely 
But of course, we're not necessarily here to talk about parenting. <laughs> so we're here to talk about the High Republic and the wonderful Battle of Jeddah, which was released on audio last month. And the hard copy script edition is coming out in just a couple of short days on February 14th, I believe it is. So that's terrific. And so first of all, let me just say congratulations, because you are part of the second crop of writers or story architects, I guess, would be, you know, maybe proper term to be joining the High Republic. So congratulations. And can you tell us a little bit about how you found out, like how this whole thing came about for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, no, and it, it's been a huge honor to, to be asked to be involved in, and, and so much fun. Um, it was actually quite a slow burn for me, actually, um, because I'd been writing um, a couple of Star Wars books before I got invited to write the High Republic, uh, myths and legends, kind of myths and fables, Star Wars myths yes. and fables and dark legends and it was in the process of kind of writing those stories we were kind of finishing off dark legends when michael seglain from lucasfilm dropped me a line and said well you know we'd like to do a special edition for galaxy's edge and target um so we need a few extra stories for this um special edition and um you know we had a couple of leftover ideas that we'd kind of when when i wrote those books i kind of pitch a whole bunch of ideas and then we cherry pick the ones we wanted so we had a couple of ideas that we'd had to leave out that we still really liked so we, we we brought those back into the fold but one of them um mike said you know we'd really like to do something with the drengear um you know dreng and kind of told me a little bit what what the drengear were because uh, this is at the time you know we're, we're only kind of in the early stages of um the the original high republic the, the first wave phase one um so obviously i'm you know hungry to as a star wars as a huge star wars fan <laughs> was like hungry to find out more and yes. so you know sworn to secrecy mike sent me a load of documents and said you know take a take a look this is what the story architects have come up with this is what we're doing with the dren gear but also here's all of the other stuff that's going on around it with the high republic because mm. you know uh we really like the work you've been doing on the the short story collections we think there might be more for you to do within the high republic framework at some point so there was no, at that point, it was just the one story, nothing else. Um, but he said, you know, read all the background, absorb it all, read the books as they come out. And then, you know, if an opportunity arises, you're well placed. Um, so uh, so I've got a lot to thank Mike for. So I did that. And honestly, you know, it was an opportunity to just to read all the, the material that the guys had come up with. And, you know, um, it was fantastic. Um, and then... Um, I think the next thing that came up was um, me and Cav, Cav and Scott, um, who are, you know, we're, we're um, old mates. I have been for a long time. We work together um, on a lot ah. of different projects across different brands and our own original material as well. Mm. Um, uh, Cav had pitched a Life Day book to Mike. Mike yeah. had said, well, actually, George is already doing these series of short story books. Why don't we bring the two of you together to do the Life Day book? Mm -hmm. And at that point, it was like, well, let's do a story about Stellan. So, and, and have, you know, let's touch on the High Republic. So that was another opportunity to write and to co-write that with, with Cav. Um, and then the opportunity to do the children's picture books came up as well, based on, you know, um, the, the, the fair, the attack on the fair. Oh, and yes. The fall, and the fall of Starlight. So, again, here's the manuscripts. You can read the early versions of the manuscripts and, and write these little stories alongside it. So it was kind of, I was getting more and more involved as time went on. And it was towards the end of, of phase one where Mike said to me, I want you to be much more involved in phase two. You know, would you like to write some some books for us? Um, 
of course, I bit his hand off. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, um, so yeah, you know, um, and then, you know, at, at, at that point, I knew there were going to be some other writers as well. Didn't know who they were at that point. Um, but then Mike kind of slowly introduced everyone, brought the team together. And we got talking about our assignments and, and kind of where we were going with the different stories. Um, so it's been a brilliant experience to be involved um, with with kind of a new era of Star Wars. I mean, that's, you know, nothing, you know, bigger or smaller than that. It's a, it's a, a whole new era of Star Wars that the original five architects did such a fantastic job working with Lucasfilm to, to create it. Um, and yeah, um, you know, I feel very proud to be able to contribute to that and add something to that that st ongoing story that's developing. So with this new sandbox, as it were, to play in, and as you were absorbing all this material, what are the kinds of things that stood out to you as being particularly remarkable? Because you obviously are well-versed in Star Wars, as we had all known it to begin with, but the High Republic is its own animal that is Star Wars, but also something else completely compelling. What particularly stood out for you as you started to discover what the High Republic was all about? It's it's actually it's the freedom that it, that it presents. I mean, you know, so the, mm -hmm. the, the, the original five story architects had worked up a, an overall structure um, with some big key beats. Um, and, you know, we're, we're still working towards those beats. But um, what we what we've got working within that new era is the opportunity to tell lots of fresh new stories, to look at the universe of Star Wars through different lens, um, to look at the Jedi in a different era. Um, where there's lots of them, but not mm -hmm. not just be the prequel era that we've you know we all know and love. Um, right. But obviously, there's a load of stories that already take place in that era, and um, we know a lot about the Jedi in that time. This was something different, um, and also, I mean, it's you know it's, it's freedom to create. Um, often, the you know the the brief of something like Quest for the Hidden City was was you know I was I was. Open, uh, writing the first book of, of wave one, first middle grade book of wave one and um, writing the Pathfinders for the first time. So, you know, the concept for the Pathfinders existed from the story architects, um, but we didn't have any stories planned for them. We didn't know where they were going to go and what they were going to do and what, how they were actually going to behave out there when they got out there. So it was a real opportunity for me to go out. Oh, I'm going to create some new Jedi. I'm going to create some new characters who, you know, Republic characters that sit alongside the Jedi, some new planets, some new species for those people to meet with different belief systems, um, you know, to, you know, to tell a monster story. And, and the cool thing about, about being able to do that is that no, no one knows who's going to live or die. You're not bound by the chronology of the kind of existing movies or TV shows. Um, or indeed the other novels. Um, so you have that flexibility to kind of really play with readers' expectations, um, to kind of pull people's heartstrings a little bit. Um, and they don't have what I kind of tend to refer to as plot armor. You know, you've got that that thing right. of um, like you can, there's, there's so much room to write great stories about a character like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Of course there is, you know, and I would love to do that. And everyone would love to do that, but we all know he's gonna survive at the end. Right. You know, so it's, you know, you've, that's, that's different in the High Republic. Yeah. We can spend time building characters up knowing that, you know, actually, if a story needs it, that character can die. Um, now, that's quite thrilling. Um, 
as a writer, yes, <laughs> we do. You know, we do have those discussions. We do say, "All right, can I kill this character?" And someone goes, "No, please don't kill that character." I'm doing this. <laughs> okay. That's fine. That's fine. But you can kill this character if you want. <laughs> but, you know, we have those sorts of discussions, and and that's great. I gather uh, a few of the story architects are perhaps a little more bloodthirsty than others. <laughs> is my understanding? Um, I don't know. I I mean. We, we joke about it and, and people joke about it because obviously some people write the book where people die. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if anyone's particularly bloodthirsty. I think it's more about the um, actually it's driven by what the necessity of the story. What's going to yes. make the story more compelling? What's going to give the emotional heart to the story? Because um, that's always one of the key things about writing a Star Wars story is it's you've got to find that emotional through line and that, you know, um, it's not it's it's great to do space battles and big lightsaber fights and all of that. And you know, again, mm -hmm. I love writing that stuff as well. Um, but it has to mean something. It has to mm -hmm. carry some weight um, for it to really land. Because what, that's what George Lucas did so well with the movies um, yeah. in the first instance. Um, so, so I think that's why you see these characters die. And, you know, we, we all joke about it and say, oh, you know, you know, Amy... Um, Claudia Gray is going to kill someone again, or you know, perhaps <laughs> killed someone again, and you know, we, we tease each other about it. But actually, you know, it's it, we know that it's coming because of the shape of the story dictates it. Right. I have to say, in the Battle of Jeddah, I was actually surprised. There's one character I was expecting to die, and another that I was not, and it was vice versa. And I don't necessarily want to get into spoiler territory just yet for it, since people are just you know in the early part of our conversation here. But I do want to talk to you about the Battle of Jeddah. And I'd like to start with the fact that as a writer yourself, you know, this is not necessarily the first audio only drama that you've actually written. So I'd love to talk with you about how it's different from writing a novel for you. What do you have to do to approach this kind of story structure differently? And you know, what's still the same regardless of what kind of story it is? Yeah, it's actually it's, it's a very different experience. I mean, there's there's a there's a core to storytelling that is you know the same, which is a, about the shape of a story essentially. You know, the overall story, and that you know you've got your your kind of three or five acts. You've got your core kind of beats that you want to hit, the midpoint reversals, and you know, long die night the soul, and all of that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. um, when you're writing audio, like you're you're doing everything through dialogue and sound effects um so you're writing it's more it's it's more akin i suppose to writing a comic book or a, a screenplay than it is to writing a novel um because you've got no opportunity to describe anything and no opportunity to spend time in someone's head um so you, you know you can't see characters reflecting on something unless they say it out loud so um there's, you know that, that internal internalization is quite important in a novel um in an audio drama um you know you people can only interpret like in life people can only interpret what people are inferring by what they've said mm -hmm. um and it's it's really important as well i think you know in, in a lot of kind of old-time radio you have the um look over there at the man in the yellow suit and the, <laughs> all the hats um what's he doing he's running down the street towards us Mm -hmm. You can't try and avoid that sort of dialogue because it's not naturalistic. So, um, you, you know, my, my first kind of plan with writing an audio drama is to try and get the dialogue as natural as possible, but also then 
you have to kind of then go through the scene afterwards and go right. But am I telling the the listener? Am I giving the listener enough information to paint the picture of what's going on? Um, so that's one of the that's one of the big challenges. That idea of dialogue only, and that's why I'm pleased that, as well that we do the script books because in the script books there's a little bit more direction as well. So for those those people who don't sit easily with audio drama or aren't used to audio drama, there's a, there's, there's that as well that helps paint that picture. But um, the other thing that the, the difference with particularly with Battle of Jeddah is I I approached it more like. Um, if I had a six episode TV series with Disney Plus, how would I structure it? How would I write it? Ah. So that's why it's six parts. It's kind of like, you know, and, and I'm thinking about um, where are the good places for the episode breaks, you know, not necessarily cliffhangers as such, but where are the, where are the good places for the breaks in the story? Um, and, you know, there's a rule when you write, I've written quite a lot of animation in my, in my time. And one of the rules when you're kind of writing a pilot is, Everything that's going to be in the series has to be in the pilot. Otherwise, you shouldn't. It shouldn't be in the series. It's kind <laughs> of like you've got to set everything up in the pilot. So, kind of that's kind of. You, I was looking at that sort of thing with Battle of Jeddah and going, right, okay, how do I make sure episode one contains everything that it, that that it needs to to, to set that story up. Um, um, so, so kind of they're the they're the main kind of differences that you you know you're all you're thinking with your ear and i one of the the, the tricks is once you've written a scene before revising it's to read it aloud and I know a lot of people do that with prose as well and it, it, it always helps flow but um, i think it's particularly important with audio drama that you you hearing the cadence of the character's speech um and you're um and you're thinking in terms of the end listener and, and how that how they're going to interpret what they're hearing got it are you doing that out loud dialogue yourself, or are you employing family members to to help do that with you? <laughs> I, I usually do it myself. I mean, my my wife does actually tend to read everything I write, but she she didn't with Battle of Jeddah because she doesn't you know, get on very well with scripts. So when I write prose, I, I always say, kind of read this with a red pen, and she's she's brutal, which is exactly what you want, you know. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> but she didn't with Battle of Jeddah because it was a script. But I was reading it back to myself. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So um, you mentioned, you know, the action sequences and, and having to write around that and how to deal with that in terms of being able to translate it through audio drama. It's not as simple as dropping in like an insert battle sequence here or insert special effects no. thing here in, in your script. Um, how do you do that and how are you imagining the, the battle happening as you're writing it? Or do you imagine it as your yeah? Writing? No, absolutely do. Um, so it's so yeah. I mean, I treat it. I I visualize it. I mean, I'm, I'm a very visual writer in the sense that I I tend to see the scenes that I'm writing in my in my mind's eye, um, which helps me to describe that what's going on and or, or to choreograph action. Um, I'll often, you know, I actually kind of use that phrase. I kind of think about I, I choreograph fight scenes, um, but um, and so I did the same with Battle for Jeddah. But I, um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard with audio. It is hard. You you've got to rely a lot on special effects, um, and and again, you have to do a little bit of that sort of dialogue I was talking about earlier. Like, mm. no, it, it's coming, it's coming quick. You know, sort of like, right. um, and then the sound effects of the feet or whatever it is coming towards you. Um, and I think the other trick that I try to employ was not to have any of the characters alone in a scene. Because then they're talking mm. to themselves, 
And that, I mean, that's just a good rule for audio anyway, because otherwise you're, you're talking to yourself, which is one of the reasons <laughs> why you kind of, you split, you split the characters into little groups. So you've got, you know, Creighton and, and Misok, the, um, the Guardian, and you've got Cylandra with the droid or with Keth, you know, and trying to make these little groups so that they can have a conversation about what's going on. Or where I didn't have that, to put, um, you know, there's a scene where um, with kind of like the uh, mining platforms, adaptive mining platforms that are running through the streets in Cylandra, and to flip into the um, perspective of the pilots and gunners on board the platform so that you're flipping back and forth to get a bit more of like, you know, oh my God, it's a Jedi. You know, mm-hmm. um, what's she going to do? What's she going to do? She's cut the right. leg off. The, the pneumatic stuff stopped working, you know, and you can you can play with it a little bit like that. So you have you really have to think about what's going on and how you can get the characters to describe that in the most naturalistic way possible. It takes, right. a, bit, takes a bit of editing to get it right. <laughs> and I imagine too, like breaking up the characters into different groups also allows you to essentially bring other elements and of the characters out in, in the story and helps you develop them in different ways. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, and that's part of the fun is that, you know, with any story, I suppose it's putting, putting people together in a room or in a situation, um, seeing how they react. And, you know, sometimes it's interesting to, you know, to put them, to pair the most unlikely people up because mm-hmm. then you can see how they either rub along or don't rub along. And um, different philosophies, different ideologies gives, basically, the one again, one of the tricks that I kind of learned writing animation was to go through every scene. And so have I got enough conflict in this scene? One of the questions that I ask when I'm doing an editorial pass, have I got enough conflict in the scene? And if not, can I up the conflict in the scene because conflict mm. is drama? So, you know, if you've got two characters who agree completely about everything going around together, well, they're just going to, you know, you know it's, it's not going to be that interesting. <laughs> right. <laughs> but if you put mm-hmm. two people from very different backgrounds, you know, so they don't necessarily understand each other or they don't, they have a different perspective, there's an opportunity to explore, even if it's mild conflict, you've got an opportunity to at least have a conversation that might shed some light on their character for the, the listener. Right. All right, we're going to pause it right there and we will pick up with the rest of it on tomorrow's show. So thank you so much for joining me for this episode, as always, and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. 7 by 7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited by their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7 by 7 We hope you love it.